Well, and you mentioned challenges. We could list any number of issues that are in our culture today that is spiraling out of control. But my answer to that would be at the end of the day, I've always had confidence, Richard, in the Word of God. I've never had more than I do today. And I realize I can't improve on that. So I'm going to graciously and lovingly point people to the manual for life that's the inspired Word of God and say, not beat them up with it, but say, this is the best I've got, and it's excellent. And I want to encourage you. This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And today on the podcast, we've got a great conversation with Bruce Aubrey. Uh, he has a heart for pastors, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him uh, in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about an upcoming event, um, a seminar at The Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center, uh, just outside Asheville, North Carolina. Richard will be there speaking on the ways of God. And if uh, you, you may not know, but uh, Richard wrote a book called The Ways of God last year. And uh, this conference, this seminar, is really going to be uh, pulling out the truths of that book and Richard's insights into how God does things and how he relates to people. The dates for it are May 15th to 17th, and uh, you can register uh, online at thecove.org. So we hope to see you there. And again, we'll leave links to that in the show notes. So a little bit about today's guest, Bruce Aubrey. He grew up on a dairy farm in northern New York, and he has served on church staffs for more than 45 years. His passion for encouraging pastors led to a conference called Keep the Fire Burning, first held at Northside Church in Liverpool in 2011. Uh, Northside also sponsored a conference in New Jersey, the Philippines, and South Korea. On January 15th, uh, he began a new role at Northside, no longer as lead pastor, but as pastors to pastors. The goal is that pastors don't quit, churches don't die, communities don't lose a lighthouse, and that lost people have more, not less, opportunities to hear the gospel and believe. The ministry includes conferences, mentoring and coaching, and building helpful connections for pastors and churches. He and Kathy have been married for 41 years and have four children and 14 grandchildren. His life mission is to inspire people to know Jesus. And Bruce really has a heart for pastors, and I think you'll see that uh, throughout this conversation. Uh, no matter the size of the church, his desire is to see pastors uh, thrive and flourish wherever God has called them. And uh, it's just a great a great conversation, and I think you'll be very encouraged by it. He also has a podcast called Keep the Fire Burning. Uh, it's a resource to help pastors and ministry leaders continue to endure in the work God has entrusted them with. And uh, as always, we'll leave links uh, to the best ways to connect with Bruce and also to his podcast. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Richard and this great conversation with Bruce Aubrey. Well, once again, we have a special guest with us on this podcast, and today it's a good friend of mine, Bruce Aubrey, who is uh, has been a longtime pastor, church planter in upstate uh, New York in the uh, Syracuse area. Uh, we don't want to get him go talking too much about basketball or those kind of things, or we might uh, derail this conversation. <laughs> but yes, sir. but uh, Bruce, it's good to have you with us today. Thank you. It's my honor, Richard. And uh, we, we often have uh, business leaders uh, that come on and talk about leadership from a business perspective, but uh, 
Uh, Bruce is a longtime pastor and church planter. And uh, Bruce, maybe just tell us a little bit about your your leadership journey. Uh, we, we always have leaders of some sort on this podcast, and you've been leading for a long time. Uh, tell us about the journey that gets you to where you are today. Sure. Well, so grew up in northern New York on a dairy farm. It's interesting to realize I had an agricultural background, which fit the whole sowing and reaping model of uh, <laughs> sometimes you're sowing, sometimes you're reaping. Um, mm. Came to Christ at the age of 14, felt called to ministry by the time I was 17, went off to college, served my last three years of college as a youth director of a church, which was a goldmine of experience, to be honest with you. I had been saved mm. when I was 14, so I felt, though I didn't feel specifically called to minister to teenagers, I didn't feel like I was doing the church a disservice or just trying to use it as a stepping stone. Went off to seminary. Uh, in Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee, and served a church there. Graduated in 1983. Stayed at that church, though, for a total of seven years. Mm. And ironically, while I had been an associate pastor for youth and children, our pastor accepted a call to a church in another state, actually invited me to consider going with him, but I knew my time had come. He led the church to call me to be their pastor. Actually, they're interim, and three and a half months later, that church asked me to be their pastor. So I got to pastor my first church, where I'd already been serving for four years, which hmm. actually was a very uh, a good thing. Hmm. And then I came north to 20 miles from where I grew up, across the Canadian border from Montreal, Canada. Uh, people think New York, they think cities. Our whole county had 70,000 people, so it was a small, a small town-type communities. Hmm. Um and then in 1993, I've actually never planted a church. I gave some consideration to that, but I discovered that my gifts were much more revitalization. Uh, take something that existed, help people dream again. So in 1993, after pastoring in two other places, at the age of 35, I began a journey for 30 years as the pastor at Northside Church in Liverpool. And I went there. I was the only staff member. We had a church of about 80 people. Hmm. This last weekend was my last weekend as lead pastor, uh, a process we've been working on the whole year and was approved by the church in July, where our teaching pastor became my successor. But I'm actually staying on the staff, which is kind of unique. Um, we felt like God led us in that direction. And my new title would be pastor to pastors. I basically want to take what I've learned in 46 years of ministry on somebody's staff and be able to pour into others, be a mentor, a coach, an encourager, and a safe place to talk and work through leadership issues. Wow, that's awesome. And I've walked with you a bit of that journey, just watched how that's unfolded. And, uh, you know, when you've spent that many years in a church, and I've preached in your church, been, been there on several occasions. It's a great, great church, uh, great area. Um, and I think a lot of listeners will just think, boy, you, you, you finally get your, your ministry, your organization up, uh, into, you know, a good size, good health. And then to, to, to walk away and once you're not really walking away, you're still on staff, but to walk away as the senior pastor, sure. uh, and to take on an entirely new role. Uh, how hard was that, by the way, to, cause you're, you're right. You were the boss last sure. month. You were the boss, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so, how do you walk away and hand that off to someone else and, and then stay there in a different role? So three things. One, I had a guy ask me, is it normal for somebody to leave when they're like, you know, at the top? I, I don't know what the top is, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, and I said, 
I think what he said, Richard, was this: Is it normal for guys to leave when they're when things are going so well? Yeah. And I said, to be honest with you, I think that's the only time you can. You know, yeah. I wouldn't want to walk away if they were in trouble. The second thought is, um, you know, I I felt I shared with the church recently. Uh, if you want to know, I'm two weeks. The second week before I was about to transition, I preached from the word "remember" in the scriptures, and. It's just there's 230 uses of the word. And I, mm. I said, so a lot of you have been asking, how am I doing? I can summarize it with three words. One is grieving because there's a sense of loss. Mm -hmm. One is gratitude. Do you know how thankful I am to have been able to serve the Lord for 46 years and 30 years in one place? Who gets to do that? Yeah. And the third yeah. word would be excitement. I'm actually anticipating this next season and starting to get a real taste of what that means. And the answer to your question is, I've believed for years, Richard, that a key in leadership is you have to give up to go up. Hmm. And, you know, that's why a lot of times churches don't move forward because you feel indispensable. I'm the one that has to do that. So I've kind of learned that lesson as the hmm. church has grown. But this was the biggest step of faith. Okay, God, I believe you're in this. Yes, you do want to take us to every city and village. You want us to care about the entire Northeast and beyond. And to do that, I got to give up and go up and do this now. Hmm. That's great that your church would do that because that's they're they're basically giving you away. You'll still minister to the folks there in your local church, but a lot of your focus is going to be on pastors of other churches, not yours. And so, very commendable that your church would be willing to keep you on staff that way, so that you can help other churches besides your own. So this last weekend, the four guys I've coached in the last year, I had them come and share their testimonies, and I said, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell you a vision church. You already bought into it. I just want you to see what's already happening. Hmm. And one young guy shared his story of how he was looking for a mentor, but didn't know how he'd be able to afford it. And he was praying that, that somebody older and experienced would do it and do it for free. Hmm. And I said, you know, that's the thing. I'm not saying I'll give you 10 sessions for X amount of dollars. And ironically, your organization has been a coaching uh, opportunity that, has coached me, hmm. uh, Bob Royal, a tremendous man of God that was used in my life. And so I'm all for paying for it. I get that. But in this case, the guys I'm going to coach, you don't have to pay for it. Our church wow. is writing the bill. Wow. Well, Bruce, tell me, you know, some of our listeners are business people, business leaders, and they might not be as familiar uh, with just some of the challenges that pastors face. But but in your own, you know, I know some of your journey, and I know it hasn't always been just gliding downhill without much effort. <laughs> what what has been a challenge or two that you faced as a pastor that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to probably be pulling mining from those experiences for years to come as you help others. But did you have an experience or two as a pastor that maybe just about knocked you out of the saddle or... Uh, really made it very difficult. Wow, I um, it's hard to know where to start. Um, you know, I could say, as a young man, my father died uh, in a car accident when I was 21, hmm. and uh, I was extremely close to him. And so sometimes people will say, "Bruce, we like your heart," and I'm like, "You have no idea how I got that. You know, it was hmm. crushed." But hmm. So in a moment, you have to decide, am I going to let a very difficult situation um, send me into a bitterness spiral? Or can I trust that this can be used for good and will make me a stronger leader? Along So sometimes leaders, 
you feel like that thing that is really holding you back may actually wind up being something that can be used for good in a strong way. Uh, that would be one. I think, you know, just ministry is interesting. It's like I talk about whose voice you're listening to. You know, we have to you have to be clear on where you're getting direction. And as a pastor, certainly I want to get that from the Lord and from his word and godly counsel. But there's a lot of voices in our culture. So you got to be discerning of what it is you're listening to. And I've been blessed with mentors. And, you know, I there were financial times. I remember at Northside in 1998, I think, Richard, I had been there five years. And, you know, we were having a business meeting and we had $4,500 to our name. And we had spent $500 more that month than we had taken in. And mm. somebody said, does anybody know where this is headed? I was like, you mean in nine months we're out of money? He's like, yes. And I said, yeah, but today we're not, you know. And um, man, we really tried to make some wise decisions to not jeopardize the ministry, but not panic. I don't mm -hmm. think you can panic as a leader. Yeah. But you can't be inactive as a leader to realize this may be a moment for a better decision than I had thought about. So th those are some that come to mind. Huh. Wow. And you know, you're you are going to be in walking alongside pastors, encouraging them. And some people might say, well, I mean, why do pastors struggle in the first place? I mean, don't, they get paid, you know, full time to study the Bible and pray and go to potlucks. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the one guy said, you get paid to be good. I, I, I'm, I'm good for nothing. And I was like, huh. no, I just, you know, there's such value in every person. And um, I grew up in a community that probably believed the preacher worked an hour a week. And mm. I never understood that, but I understand it better now. They were mostly farmers and they'd been up since four milking cows and they were going to do it again that night. And this guy got up in a church pulpit and ran a service for an hour. But what you carry as a pastor, you will never understand unless, unless you've been in that position. Mm. You know, David said, no man cared for my soul. I called a guy just a few years ago, Richard, it could have, could have been more than five years ago or less. I said, why do I still get nervous on before the first service? We have multiple services on the weekend and I was, and he said, the day I'm going to worry about you is when you don't, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, because that keeps you relying on the Lord. And he said, the second, somebody else told me, you feel that way because you care. You know, mm -hmm. um, it was Adrian Rogers who used to say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That applies in any industry, any work, any field. Mm -hmm. um, I would want to know that my leader cared. He's not just in it for whatever is his bottom line. And so for me, I've said before, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for the people. Yeah. But if it wasn't for the people, why would we do it, you know? Yeah. And I've also learned that in every church, they're all the same. They just have different names. Hmm. That if you leave one place to go to another, you're going to deal with the same kind of stuff. Yeah. So sooner or later, you got to learn how to deal with it. You know, it's interesting, too, to me, because, like, I, uh, if I go to my dentist, even though I've gone to dentists all my life, I don't think I'm an expert in dentistry, you know, and if I, and if I go to a lawyer to get some legal uh, advice, like I don't tell them, hey, I, you're not the first lawyer I've used. I, But there's something about uh, people in the pew and watching the pastor that a lot of us think we're experts on being a pastor. We've never been one, um, never been to seminary, but we, we've got lots of opinions about what the pastor ought to do or not do. And um, and that that has got to kind of weigh on you because certainly in a smaller church, especially, 
all your people may think they're experts on how you should use your time and how good your sermon should be and what, and how you should be just like that guy that's on live stream they like to listen to and um, and so uh, does that does that come into play at all like you if, especially if you're in a congregational kind of church like a lot of Baptist churches are. Uh, everybody thinks that in one sense they're your boss because you answer to the congregation. So they, you've got a whole room full of people that feel the need to supervise you and help you know what you should be doing. Sure. I think for one thing, being a pastor is multi-pronged. You know, you think you're just going to be preaching the Bible or teaching the Bible. You, you have to be a strong communicator. Um, it, you know, uh, it may not be your greatest strength, but you better be able to teach and preach. Um, you're going to do pastoral ministry. You're going to stand with people at gravesides. You're going to rejoice with them in other times, weddings or the birth of a first child or whatever. Um, that you're all, you're a counselor and a friend. You're an administrator, which many of us did not feel equipped to. When I first came to Northside, I said, I don't really like administration. And I wound up, I will never say that again, because yeah. people would say, I know you're not good at administration. I said, no, I didn't say that. I actually think I could do it. I just don't like it. Hmm. And so, and then you're, you know, there's funds involved, there's finances. And while I keep a distance from that, you got to have a head for all of that. So a guy going in to be a pastor thinks he's doing one thing, he's doing 10 things. Yeah. And he's got a whole lot of people watching him. And you will be, um, I, I liken what I do on the weekends now, prior to my new assignment, to being preparing a master's thesis that I'm going to give an oral, oral presentation of, and I will be judged, critiqued. Um, but my care, plus you have an internet full of great preaching. I listened to some this morning, one of my favorites, played the app while I was getting ready for the day. I got to hear the word of God minister to my soul. I can't preach as well as that guy. Hmm. But, and so when you're in the midst of all that, but I, I do have a responsibility and a privilege to shepherd a people of God. And that's incredible. Um, I just... You got to, at the end of the day, know who you are, be that. And like one man said to me one time, Richard, he said, who do you work for? I said, well, I work for Northside. He said, no, you don't. I said, well, the IRS thinks I do. I get yeah. a W-2 from them. He said, you work for God. That was life transforming. Because hmm. when I put my head on the pillow on a Sunday night, I think of that one thing I wish I hadn't said in that message in mm -hmm. one of those three services. Mm -hmm. uh, now I put my head on the pillow. And I'm like, God, did I honor you today? Because hmm. I can't control how somebody responds to it, but did I honor you? And so, yeah, I would call ministry, you say, why do pastors struggle? Ministry is a blessing and it's brutal and the winds can change at any given moment. Yeah. And I think, well, you and I both have heard some horrible cases where some really good people got just chewed up and spit out uh, by some carnal people that... Uh, that just mistreat them so so badly. But are, are, are there some kind of common, you know, you kind of touched on some of those uh, already, but uh, any other challenges that, that pastors face today? Maybe, you know, if you've never done it, uh, you, you've, you've sort of outlined some of those, but anything else that, particularly in, in recent days now, are becoming uh, challenges for pastors as they base that. I, you know, I, and I would just kind of underline too that uh, my experience has been that a lot of pastors go into pastoring because they like to preach, they like God's word, they might like theology, they might, they might love, uh, you know, ministering to people at, in, at, who are sick and so on. But, but, uh, but the majority of pastors don't see themselves as strong leaders. 
And yet so much of pastoring comes down to leading, addressing sure. problems. You know, when you're when you're running out of money and people are panicking and they all look to you, you, you have to lead it. And maybe they, they don't necessarily need you to preach a sermon to them at that moment, but they, they, they need hope. They need a problem solved. And uh, a lot of pastors, like you said, they, they didn't sign up for that, but they find that that's where they spend, you know, you, you might preach a, a couple hours a week at most, and the rest of your time you're doing other stuff. One of the biggest challenges is finding balance. And I think balance is a nebulous word, but the reality is it could be in any field. You, you either tend to have an issue of laziness or workaholism, mm -hmm. and rarely do we ever get it right. Huh. Um, there's no substitute for hard work. And so knowing that my dad got up at four in the morning to do what he did, I don't get up at four in the morning, but I work, I work hard and I, and I enjoy that. But having the balance, you know, no size church, no size ministry, whatever mean more to me than a wife and four kids who still believe that w who I am is who I am. And, you know, I just, that that challenge is tough sometimes it's like there will always there's always one more person to call there's always one more person with a need there's always one more lesson to prepare so ours is a job that never ends mm -hmm. and if you take it seriously it will consume you in a negative way if you don't take it seriously you don't have a chance of being successful in a good way yeah if anyone's ever just looked at a 30-minute sermon notes, you realize you could always work on it a bit more, polish up an illustration, you know, upgrade a point here, there. And it it's, can be really, and you know, you're going to have a room full of people. They're going to uh, judge how good that sermon was and you, sure. you want to please them. And so at what point do you just push it away and say, that's enough for now? Uh, I'm going to go play with my, my three-year-old. Um, but yeah, there's always more that could be done, which is a uh, why I think burnout is one of the big issues for a lot of pastors is they, uh, they, they wear themselves out trying to be really good at everything uh, that their people sure. are looking to them for. I think you have to be sure you're feeding your own soul. There's no substitute for that. You know, the things that have kept my fire burning is my own personal faith, time in the Lord. You and your dad have been tremendous examples of that to me. And if you do that consistently, he will speak to you. He'll speak to you clearly. He'll give you direction. Mm -hmm. Um you know, uh, friends and family, uh, focus, you can't do everything. Um, enjoy the journey along the way. And um, th th those things mm. matter a lot. Um, Isn't that kind of like a lot of the famous stories of mechanics that work hard on people's cars all day long, but their own car is a junk heap and then right. parked out front? A lot of times the pastors are spending their whole week ministering to keep everybody else healthy, and then, sure. but they neglect their marriage or they neglect their relationship with their kids or their own personal walk with God. Well, and you mentioned challenges. We could list any number of issues that are in our culture today that is spiraling out of control. But my answer to that would be at the end of the day, I've always had confidence, Richard, in the Word of God. I've never had more than I do today. And mm. I realize I can't improve on that. So I'm going to graciously and lovingly point people to the manual for life that's the inspired Word of God and say, not beat them up with it, but say, this is the best I've got, and it's excellent. And mm. I want to encourage you. You're talking about leadership. I remember I, was, I went to Nicaragua to teach some young people in a mission ministry situation in the year 2000. It's the first time I was ever exposed to John Maxwell's book, uh, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had good theological training, but I didn't know leadership and management. I read about the law of the lid. I was like, how come I never knew this, you know? Mm-hmm. And and God began to put godly lay people around me who were successful in their areas. And I would just pick their brains. I They were mentors to me in areas that I was not well versed in. So I would say to any leader, always make sure you have people around you. You're not afraid to ask questions and you don't think you know it all. They're not going to think less of you for asking. They'll actually be happy that you're wanting to grow. Hmm. Yeah. Which is a good, you know, I, I, I'm always impressed with leaders that are still growing and taking on new challenges, uh, at the, at, even at the point of life where a lot of guys are maybe shutting down. Uh, like how, do, how have you stayed fresh all these years? I mean, you, you, if you, if you're preaching to the same congregation for 30 years, they know all your illustrations, they know all your foibles, they know your whole life story. Uh, and then, but week after week, you got to get up with fresh material. Sure. Uh, that you, and you preach through the Bible and every imaginable kind of series over the years. So, I mean, every, I, I can't imagine if you've been in a, Christ, a, a church for 30 Christmas seasons and now it's Christmas season again. You're trying to think, what's a new take on Mary and Joseph I haven't used a dozen times already? How do, how do you do that? So, uh, you know, I, I wrote 20 lessons. I call them 20 lessons on a, uh, of life from ministry, you know, from a life of ministry. And the first one was on pace, you know, um, and there are five keys. One is spend time with the Lord daily. The second is do Sabbath weekly. The third is have a day of prayer once a month to recalibrate. The fourth is take a retreat. Simply, you could do it at home, but if you have some place where you can go for three days once a quarter, and those seasons, those retreats really help me get focused for the future, what's next, how mm-hmm. we best present that. And then obviously vacation annually, you, you got to do something to get away. It doesn't have to be tremendous or whatever. Make, make sure it's thoughtful and meaningful and helpful for you and for your family. So when you talk about how do you face 30 Christmases, it's funny you bring that up because I thought about that. <laughs> this year, for instance, we did uh, the cradle, the cross, and the crown. And we mm-hmm. talked about how the one born in the major is God who became a man, the incarnation. You know, the cross, that's why he came. The crown, he's the king of all. And um, we had never done anything like that before. Uh, I don't just try to be cute, like come up with something that's just cutesy. I, uh, I'm i not saying we should be boring, but man, give people the clear teachings of the scripture. And it's so profound, you know, whether it's the yeah. Isaiah 9 passage and the names, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Um, it's just, uh, it's, an, it's, it's testing, but I... I will tell you this, I worked harder on sermon prep in the last three years than ever in my life. Really? Um, And part of it was too, my guys, so they said to me about eight years ago, you need to start writing a manuscript, because I would pretty much preach from an outline. Hmm. And I liked the freedom of that. I was Mm -hmm. taught in seminary, preach without notes. It's tough. You have to be better prepared, but you can look at people more, you know, the eye contact, all of that. I hate looking at a manuscript, yeah. I hate being read to by somebody. So it's like... I don't want to be that guy, but I've actually gotten very comfortable with it. I can do that and it doesn't necessarily feel that way. Huh. They said, Bruce, we've heard all your stories. In fact, when you start, most of them could finish them. <laughs> and they said, "You, if you write it out, I think you're going to help yourself. And a lot of great preachers today do. And then one guy said, your memory's strong enough. I think if you read it four times, you could lay aside and still preach it, but you're going to know where you're going. Hmm. And um, so for me, you know, can you imagine, you know, you've been preaching for 30 years and somebody says, I think you should change the way you do this. I'm wow. like, 
why, you know? Yeah. But yeah. even you may know that I had a pretty severe illness about four and a half years ago, yeah. which I was blessed to come back from strong. And people say, you preach stronger now than you did before. And I'm not, I'm not really a shouter or anything like that. I just, the conviction is there. The passion is there. Hmm. So well, when you stare death in the face and you get a second chance, wow. you don't take that lightly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's why I, you can usually tell a young pastor uh, when he gets up to preach, like if he's going to preach on like the Holy Spirit, he he tries to pull in every verse on the Holy Spirit in one sermon, you know, and then he's... Oh, I, and, I think young pastors preach series in their first sermons. Yeah, yeah. You can take their first sermon and turn it into four weeks yeah. or six weeks. And it's like, you're not preaching for the long term here. You're, you're Within a half a year, you're going to exhaustively cover <laughs> every topic you know about, and then you got... 25 more years to come up with stuff just and so i've always just said if you go deep uh you you'll have trouble just covering one verse and mm -hmm. so just go deep in that verse and maybe and then go deep in the next verse and you discover you, you you're going to run out of time to cover all the, the 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 treasure that's there in the bible but but yeah young inexperienced guys want to do sort of bible trivia all over the bible and, and every sermon and and then pretty soon they're having to say, what do I do now? So, but you, uh, tell me uh, how, how do you're going to, you're devoting this part of your life to helping other pastors. Uh, and for people listening, you know, the first place that I think a lot of us could, could go is try to help our own pastor. And are there some things people can do, or maybe there's even some, you know, some, it sounds like you had some people that really helped you by just giving you good advice, but what, what are some things, or maybe, maybe what are some ways people helped you and blessed you as a pastor that kind of put some wind under your wings when you really needed it. So I would say the greatest thing you can ever do for your pastor is pray for him. Sounds mm. like a super spiritual answer, but it's absolutely the answer. Mm. The business we're in is not just a fleshly business. It's a spiritual mm. business. And I don't know why. And I don't know. I, I'm not a small church, big church guy. I'm a church guy. Mm. I grew up in a church of 40 people. And I thank God for that church where I came to know Christ you know, the church that I serve now has nearly 1,200. It's, it's not about the size, but this much I know. I remember when our church crossed 500. I don't know why it was for me, Richard, but I felt like a man with an X on my back. Hmm. And I, I just, I, I, all of you that are listening, your pastor bears a weight and is a target in a way that you may not fully appreciate. I don't say that condescendingly. And so pray for your pastor. The second thing I would say is encourage your pastor. Just a, a slight word of encouragement can go a long way. So this ministry that we've developed called Keep the Fire Burning, um, you know, it's so pastors don't quit, churches don't die, communities don't lose a lighthouse, lost people have one more opportunity to hear the gospel. Um, ultimately, we take the word fire. We want your faith to be renewed because even pastors, they got to keep fuel in the tank. Hmm. Um, the letter I, inspiration and instruction. You know, I, I maybe don't need 10 things right now, but what's one thing I could do right now that might be a real game changer in this season of ministry? Um, the letter R for revival and renewal. I just, I spent a lot of time in my doctoral studies studying Moody. He's a Northeast guy. He was a simple man, poor grammar, but used of God to shake two continents. And then the letter E is just simply encouragement. So that's where I come back to what you were asking. Pray for your pastor encourage your pastor. And then let's not do the 80-20 thing in the church all the time. Let's everybody get on board. Find a way to serve 
and mm. be willing to do that. Join the team. Mm. And so, Bruce, you're you're uh, shifting focus now, and uh, each day you're going to be getting up and developing uh, and and working with pastors, trying to come up with ways to help them. We'll put some things in the your the show notes here, but uh, what what are some ways? Like maybe there's a pastor that's in the Northeast somewhere, and he's like, "Hey, I I love I'm grateful to hear about Bruce, but what what do you offer that maybe I could take advantage of?" Sure. So my new job. It involves conferences, like we're doing a workshop at Bible Church International in Randolph, uh, New Jersey, March 15 and 16. Um, pastor friend of mine from Florida is coming up. I'll be there. My wife's going to do a session for women. We're going to try to do a one-day clinic up north. I can't really announce that yet because we're not for sure. October 14 to 16, you spoke at last year's Keep the Fire Burning. This year, mm H.P. -hmm. Charles will be there, mm -hmm. and a pastor from Tallahassee, Florida, Dean and Sarah, will be there. Um, so the conference and workshops is part of the piece, traveling to visit pastors, to see their location, to just be able to, I'm not a church evaluation guy, but I think if I could walk your campus and talk with you for a few minutes, um, it might be of help coach and mentor pastors with these 20 lessons. I try to take six at a time. Um, and it takes about 20 weeks and we'll do some cohorts. So if you are interested We'll actually do some things where we get groups together so we can magnify or multiply the impact. I want to begin to train those who feel called to ministry within our own church. Um, it's one of the reasons I'm at Cedarville University today, uh, meeting with some friends there and and leaders and administrators. Uh, how do we how do we connect the dots so people are well prepared for ministry? Build relationships with churches and pastors locally. And within an hour and an hour and a half, let's say we have people who feel called to preach at Northside. Well, we have eight pastors on our staff, so they're probably not going to preach at Northside. No offense, but but I'll bet they're, I cut my teeth, Richard, preaching in churches that didn't know who they were going to have the next week, yeah, way out in the country do. somewhere. <laughs> and, and those are great, weren't those great days? And we yeah. learned so much. And For me, anyway, I'm not sure about some of the audiences. But <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but to be able to give hope to a church that thinks they don't have anybody. And yeah. we send some young man who feels like this is God's call in his life. It could bless both of them. So I want to mm. connect those dots. Um, yeah, we just, just started a podcast that you can find on all the podcast platforms. There'll be notes on that, too. But keep yeah. the fire burning. Oh, it's like, I'll keep the fire burning. Yep. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we're, we, we try to keep it. Um, to encourage leaders, uh, church leaders and pastors primarily. Hmm. But um, yeah, I just, um, I'm extremely grateful for, to be honest with you, the whole thing's a little fluid right now. What I yeah. know is this is my Nehemiah moment. Huh. I'm, I'm now getting to do what God began to put in my heart to do 13 years ago. Hmm. And my successor said to me, I think you could continue to do what you're doing right now, Bruce, for five or 10 more years, and it would be good. But he said, I think if you do that, the church loses, capital C, because you've got all these years experience. And I, I don't profess to be the wisest guy. I'm just humbled to even be part of the journey. Hmm. But I know for me, to have somebody who could be like a spiritual father and a safe place to talk, um, you know, it's... if." If you're struggling as a pastor and you go home and dump all that on your family, that doesn't really help you or them. Yeah. 
If you're struggling yeah. as a pastor and you dump that on the church, you have no idea knowing where all that's going to wind up, and that's not necessarily healthy for them or for you. Yeah. But if you've got some guy who who has been down the road, and he may not have all the answers, but he's a safe one to talk to, and you can process some of what you're thinking about. You guys taught me, Richard, the beauty of asking questions hmm. is ask and let them begin to talk. Yeah. And um, and then help as you can. So. Hmm. I feel incredibly honored that at this season of my life, I'm praying. I told my son a year ago this month, David, I think it's now. And hmm. I think my new title is Pastor to Pastors. Hmm. And if I could give the next 10 years of my life so that a thousand pastors and churches that might have quit or boarded up are not only still in the game, but thriving, I'll give the next decade of my life to that. Wow. And so if a pastor says, man, I would love to have Bruce walk with me. Uh, how we'll have the what? What do they do? They do reach out to you and just sure and, and start asking. How, what would that look like to have you mentor me and sure? Walk so me? go to our church website, which is northsideonline.org. Um, you know my email's there. Um, you can we'll put some contact information in the notes. Mm -hmm. Um, and just reach out to us, and we'll be more than happy to do what we can to figure out what your best need is and how we best can respond to that and work with you, coach you, mentor you, help you as we're able. Wow. Well, I knew the time would uh, fly by. I've, I've watched uh, Bruce over a number of years and lots of things to commend about him. You know, in one in one sense, he, is, he has led a small church, but he's also led a, led a big church, but it's all it's been the same church, which is really cool. <laughs> and and, uh, and he's done it in a hard place. He's not done it in a Bible Belt area. It's been in a tough place, uh, upstate New York, uh, lots of challenges and yet, and reaching people that oftentimes are not very churched. Uh, and yet he's done it well. And, uh, for a number of years, he's just been trying to be an encouragement to pastors. And I think it's awesome that you get to a certain point in your life and you say, um, you know what, all these years of experience, uh, you know, it's one thing to lead followers. It's another to lead administer to leaders and um and i'm i'm excited to see what you're going to be doing in these uh this next decade or more ahead so you'll have all the the information in the show notes how to reach out to him find out when the keep the fire burning conferences are going to be held it's certainly worth uh, making a pilgrimage to one of those places they take great care of you if you make it up to their church or wherever there is one and just uh devote uh, a couple of days just to soaking in wisdom and encouragement uh, the way that they do that and so bruce thanks for uh, being here and thank you for having the courage a uh, lot. I, I talked to lots of guys who will say, you know, I'm, I've been thinking a long time about doing such and such. And a bunch of those guys never make the leap. They, mm -hmm. they play it safe. They just stick with what they know. And, uh, and I commend you for following through with those convictions and giving the best years of your life, uh, to what you, you uh, care about the most and, uh, what can make the biggest difference. Praise God. It's a privilege. So look, look forward to just seeing what Bruce does and, and uh, pick up on his podcast, especially if you're a pastor or just want some encouragement. You'll find lots and lots of wisdom there. And so, Bruce, thanks for being with us, and God bless you in that very next uh, important uh, stage of ministry that you have just ahead of you. Thank you so much, Richard. We appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.